I definitely consider being a lawyer, being a counsel for a company, a holistic process. So our process is that first you have to get to know the client. And so getting to know is not, it can be superficial, like how many kids do you have? Or do you have kids? Or where's your last vacation? Sure, that's important too. But because you get get to know the person. But really understanding the company and what their needs and their goals are, what their revenue is, what their challenges are, all those things help you help the client figure out what's important, what's missing. And ultimately, I think the goal for a lot of entrepreneurs is to exit or at least Mm -hmm. build a company that's worth exiting, meaning entrepreneurs are conditioned for growth. So you really like, what's your motivators? What's your stressors? What do we see in the way of your growth? And we usually do that at no cost. Welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Shahid Durrani. Today we have with us Stephen Wiegler. Stephen is the founder and managing partner of Emerge Council, whose mission is to provide a, a, a worldwide clientele legal counsel on protection of intellectual property and business assets at a lower price point than larger legal firms. Welcome to our show, Stephen. Good to see you. Yes, great to have you here. So can you share a story how you got into this? Sure. My story is it's pretty unique for an attorney and it goes to, it's a lot to do with entrepreneurism. I started out not wanting or not even thinking about any of this. I wanted to be a prosecutor in a large city. And so I started and it's been fairly a number of years, but I started in Miami, Florida, where I prosecuted a lot of criminals and really did a lot of work. And through that, you, you really get to understand people and problems. And I got burnt out on it pretty quickly. And I really, that was my career goal. I did it. I, it's not particularly lucrative and it's, I needed a plan B and I met my wife and we decided to move to Denver where I currently live and really got into telecom, got into technology. And after I worked for a fortune 50 company, AT&T as legal counsel and learned a, a ton about like how large companies do things. Mm. And, and so a lot of things about, especially when it comes to branding and an image and how they take care of their assets and how they do decision-making, which is sometimes surprisingly loose and sometimes surprisingly rigid. And anyway, AT&T got bought and I started my own company, which was a predictive analytics company. And I took on investment and I saw the good, the bad, the ugly of everything in growing a company from goose egg to multi-million, including exit. I, at the time I, I, I made some mistakes uh, along the way. And I think many entrepreneurs do. Mine really involved how to manage cash flow because I sold a lot to business to government. And second, how to build a C-suite team. And third, how to manage investors. So those are three things I really learned through that process. Anyway, I exited that in 2000, gosh, 2016. 
and started Emerge Console, where I took all my experiences, and my wife asked me to do that because she said, you can't sit on the couch. I was too young, and I needed to another turn. Um, and really took what are the skills that I learned as an entrepreneur? What do I wish console would have been like when I was an entrepreneur? And because I really didn't have good console. And I built a firm around that. And so the firm really focuses on the key things that entrepreneurs need. It could be a, a company free revenue or it could be all the way to multi-million dollars. But what do companies need out of console, which is pretty much that you have a strategic relationship, a win relationship with an attorney or two that are your, not only your attorney, but your confidant. They understand you, they understand your business, and they understand what you need to do to get from point A to point B. And hopefully that attorney can take you there. And that's what we are at Emerge Console. And mm. it's been just a fantastic ride. I plan to do it the rest of my life. Great. I, my, the rest of my working life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. I don't so, know. Maybe. <laughs> but yeah. there's nothing I did. I found my dream position. That's awesome. I love it. But it takes shade. It takes a lot of work. Like it's, of it's course, pretty much yes. 24 seven. So any entrepreneur, you got to want it. Right. And if you feel like you're not mm. wanting it, go on a retreat and figure out how to want it. Or there's lots of jobs. Mm -hmm. Based on your experience, your level of experience for different uh, aspects of running a business, what did you find that one strategy or that one thing that helped you be protected in your current business and also helped you in scaling your current business? Sure. It's a thing that I don't, I think it's one skill. And it, it just comes, I was not a natural at processes and procedures until I had my own company um, that I had to run. And so I think if you want to scale, if you want to grow, first you have to build a team. You can't, I represent a lot of e-commerce companies and there's some solopreneurs out there that can do it, like get from point A to point B alone, but most can't. They need a team around them. And so it's how you build that team and how you build the processes and procedures. The end user, your client gets a um, consistent mm -hmm. customer experience. And that's not an easy, oh, I can do that kind of thing. That, that there's people that have absolutely no, that are pretty introverted in their personalities, not customer facing, that they focus on that all their lives, like how to build out these processes and procedures. So I find it, that's my most challenging aspect and the number one key to success. Ultimately, I think <clears throat> clients come to me because of my personal experiences and my, I'm a good lawyer, but if my product's not going to be consistent and it's hard to get in touch with me and I don't have a team that's watching my back and I'm watching their back, I might as well just go and work for somebody because it's my skills as a lawyer can be used effectively oh, yeah. in another organization. I think that's the hardest nut to crack and the most important. Hey. And so you actually help business with creating that. I, I can. Yeah. I, I, I definitely consider being a lawyer, being a um, counsel for a, a company, a holistic process. 
So our process is that first you have to get to know the client. And so getting to know is not, it can be superficial, like how many kids do you have? Or do you have kids? Or where's your last vacation? Sure, that's important too. But because you get get to know the person. But really understanding the company and what their needs and their goals are, what their revenue is, what their challenges are, all those things help you help the client figure out what's important, what's missing. And ultimately, I think the goal for a lot of entrepreneurs is to exit or at least Mm -hmm. build a company that's worth exiting, meaning entrepreneurs are conditioned for growth. So you're really like, what's your motivators? What's your stressors? What's, what do we see in the way of your growth? And we usually do that at no cost to the entrepreneur um, because we want to really, if we don't get to know them, if they think the clock is running, like when the, when the phone rings and you're going to get both in 0.6 increments, it's very difficult for someone to express how, what the true challenges or true gems mm-hmm. um, they have. They think they really want to cut to the chase. We, the first part of the process is always get to know the, the client and the, and then we have some audit processes. We have an IP audit, intellectual property audit. We think intellectual property is a huge component for growth. We talked a lot about the customer experience. That's brand. You close your eyes. We close our eyes right now and are hypothetically close our eyes and think about McDonald's. That might not be the best customer experience, but it's a customer experience that's going to be consistent with what a McDonald's is, what the brand is, you know? And so a brand is all elements of the customer experience. And we're, we really highly focus on brand production because every company, every business, unless you sell cogs, has a brand experience. And we focus on protecting that because we don't, Mm. if you've created a unique brand proposition, you don't want anyone to rip it off. So that's through Mm. trademark. We focus on protecting unique marketing collateral, such as brochures, et cetera. That's, or even product design. That's through copyright or sometimes design. And we focus on trade secret, things that are secret about your company that you don't want anyone else to know. A lot of times as you grow, you're throwing the secret sauce out there as you hire new employees. You don't want new employees, a smart one to emulate your business. And so those are all things that can, are done on usually, hopefully on the front end to make sure that the company has value. And so we have a huge, that's an IP audit. A business audit focuses more on, okay, do you have any partners? Do you have any, what's your operating structure? Is that going to be an operating structure? Are you seeking investment? And is that an operating structure that an investor would want to invest in? Because a lot of times an investor's for good reason is not really particularly into op- investing in a, a limited liability company. And sometimes, and also a lot of entrepreneurs have a limited liability company, which is fine for taxes, but have a partner and they don't have an operating agreement that spells out what happens if, and this is going to be my next ebook, but if you don't have an operating agreement that really spells it out, those are the ones that tend to stuff happens when you, in the places you least expect it. And a lot of times what I'm going to, that's my next call is we're dealing with a incomplete operating agreement and partners fighting. It's going to be a lot more expensive, a lot more difficult to deal with it now than if you dealt with it proactively. It doesn't have to be at the very beginning, but proactively. So we, through getting to know the client, through asking a number of questions, we're able to really figure out what 
how the company can be enhanced in value through business legal processes or and or IP legal processes. And then we memorialize that. If we work with the client for more than a transaction, we're meaning like a one and done, we're going to get to know that client and get, and we love when they come to us to exit. I um, mean, we just finished two con- successful ac- exits in August where, you know, we're negotiating for millions of dollars. That's going to be in the client's pocket. One my, my, Favorite story of last month was one of the gentleman's 28 years old and now he's a multi-millionaire. That's really fun, but not every company is, wants to grow like that. And we have, that's again, why you get back to the entrepreneur. What is you, their goals? You, I hate when I go in an autopilot sometimes I'm like, well, you got to do A, B, and C. Um, and that's, I don't think I want to grow that. It's really, really understanding, taking time and understanding the client is number one in order. Yeah. It's no different right. than when you go to a doctor. And, or go to even a psychologist or whatever, if you go and they don't know you and they don't know, and they're just, you know, busy diagnosing, um, and moving on to the next patient, that's, it's not going to be a very positive experience. Mm -hmm. And there's a chance that they might get it right with the medicine, but they're not going to get it right holistically lawyers. So go ahead. So what are some of the key insights? on the importance of IP and like business assets, for example, startups compared to an established business. Sure. So established businesses for better or for worse have established processes and established structure and usually very established channels of finance. Enterprise is just a whole different league. If they want software, they cost, they get customized software from large companies that wouldn't even touch small companies. And so when you're in, but the reason startups and early stage businesses do well is because they're lean. They're, um, fresh. They're able, yeah. They're part of the start. They're able to, to turn on a dime and the whole lean concept of if it doesn't work, we can change it immediately where a large corporation, that would be a huge ordeal. And yes, so good point. The, so the whole idea of there's a great book that lean startup is you're like an experiment lab as a startup and how are you going to handle that experiment is crucially important. If you're going to handle an experiment, say you're even brewing beer or something, um, you're not going to just throw it all in a bucket. You're going to use an experimental model. And so an experimental model means you're going to put some parameters around it and make sure that the, the experiment is relatively controlled. And the same holds true for businesses that are early stage. Yeah, you have flexibility. You can do whatever you want and no one's going to tell you otherwise, but you should really, again, kind of work on a framework of an experimental framework to say, all right, maybe I will take on a partner, but I don't want to take on a partner that's going to stick me in the mud for so many years, or maybe I will try a new brand. You don't want to start a new brand and just throw it out there. You want to make sure A, that it's protected, B, that the dogs are eating that dog food and C, that it doesn't cannibalize your old brand. Because again, it's like synergies of branding are, uh, are, are crucial to growing a business because you have to be able to explain the story to, mm. and I always look at, can you explain the story to someone who wants to invest or someone that wants to buy your company? And so. It has to be, again, 
all memorialize and control. I think a lot of times what lawyers do is we memorialize the things that you don't want to memorialize, like the capital structure, the the um, operating agreement, the the tax forms. I mean, everything about what we do is all the grooming to make this company run like clockwork and then have the entrepreneur really focus on sales, marketing, growth, running a C team, because that C team is going to be who, with who you're with all the time. So, yeah. And so there's so much to do for an entrepreneur, but that all mm. has to be tidied up and entrepreneurs by their very nature. And trust me, I sometimes even am one now is that's not those things. Um, mm. as some are better at organizational management than others, but the, the focus on a lot of entrepreneurs is spin, buzz, management, and not, do I have a, the adequate operating structure? Is this going to be, is this capitalized the way that an investor would want to see it? I didn't think so. Is, is there, so, am I so exposed in IP that they're going to take it? This just happened yesterday where they didn't, a client of mine didn't have a trademark and the person that was going to buy the company is coming up for it. There's too much exposure. Those are the kinds of things that you, you rely on counsel or someone like me to do. Can you share one of the most common myths about IP for a business owner? I think it's an interesting question. I think um, a big myth is that more is better. Somebody else, I have. Yeah, I just keep piling them on. (laughs) Yeah, 50 trademarks. It's like, all right. (laughs) You know, a lot of times everyone is one and done. You have, you need to protect your, your logo. Maybe you, you need to protect the literal element of your brand. Um, for sure. But you look at some even large companies, they don't have hundreds of trademarks. And the reason is because they're strategic. Yeah. Yeah. And, or an, another myth is if I don't, if I don't have a patent, I'm worthless to the contrary, I, I'm many times on anti-patent because you're never going to be able of your, of your invention. It's very technical. Whereas customer's experience is not. And what they can rip off is not so technical. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. to enforce it in court. So there's a bunch of myths. There's that I can buy my own trademark. It's a myth that the USP, it's great if you can get the description right and you can figure out the category and the USPTO lets it through. That the chances of those three things happening are like about 0.2%. The, a lot of times you get this office action, you don't know what to do with it. You screwed it up because you filed it wrong. It's on public record. Your name is on public record. You're never going to be able to turn that thing around. Or screw Those are three common myths on IP. Okay. You can do it yourself, but more is better. And the other patent is gold. Great, Stephen. Great tips. It's good to bring those myths out there so people can see if they're doing something that is unnecessary and put their energy and money and time into something more strategic. So thank you for sharing that, Stephen. appreciate your time today coming on our show. Uh, if you have any last minute things you would like to share, please go ahead. Sure, absolutely. So just a reminder that we're almost like a necessary evil. No one, when I we had a business, I never liked talking to counsel. I was like, I'm in, I went to law school. So the, and it's like going to the doctor. No, very few people cherish the, or the dentist, but it's a necessary, it's like the dentist for your business. <laughs> so anyway, I'm always Good. available. I, 
don't charge for consultations, initial consultations, especially because I want to get to know you, meaning entrepreneurs and their businesses. And my website is www.emergeconsult.com. And it's S-W-E-I-G-L-E-R at EmergeConsult.com. I offer, you'll see on the website, I offer free 15-minute consults. I, no question is too stupid or too complicated, really, for to get into a discussion. And I just want to get to know my clients. I'm based in Denver, Colorado, although today I'm in Las Vegas for a conference. But my clients are all over the world. It's important to note, finally, that every country has their own intellectual property and business law. It's important when you're looking for counsel, chances are that you're, especially in the 21st century, that your product or good or service is going to go cross-border and that you have counsel that spends time, like I do, traveling the world to, or being involved in international societies to know counsel, um, because a lot of times the strategy crosses borders. You want to have a strategy that's international. If you're not selling ice cream in Chicago only. <laughs> so the point is, it's a pretty sophisticated area of law, and you want to make sure that someone, that this isn't their first ride. So anyway, that yeah. was, well, Harris disappeared from my head. I can tell you, this isn't my first ride. <laughs> Good. Thank That's you. really about it. And a pleasure. Anything else to cover that you think? Thank you so much for your time today. All your information will be available in the show notes. I like the fact that you have this holistic type of ambiance to your business. It's really important, especially nowadays. People want to do business with people. I appreciate that offer to our audience. And thank you for your time today.